Hello, I am finally recording this episode. It's titled Fear is a Sacred Joke. And I actually wrote down notes this time. So I'm not 100% sure how it's going to go. Let's find out. Okay, so first things first fear. So fear is a feeling that we have in the present moment. And for me, it's usually about something in the future. It's about something that might happen, something that I don't want to happen. And it can be in the past. It can be like remembering something really bad and then like reliving that fear, feeling that again. But usually for me, it's in the future. And then, you know, very rarely because we live in a pretty, you know, safe state society and I know that's a huge blanket statement and there have been you know I grew up undocumented so definitely there are moments in life that are not safe but even in those moments when bad things are seem imminent I think that it's very possible to feel safe and to not feel fear like I'm thinking about moments when you know like car crashes were about to happen or um dang i don't even know what this is called and what do you how do you how you say this in english but it's like when um ice goes to a place where there are a lot of migrants undocumented migrants and they're like gonna raid is it maybe it's called a raid but like in those situations you know it's very easy to be afraid and be like oh my god what's gonna happen but i don't know i have this thing where like when something really bad is about to happen I get so calm. Like I just don't feel fear in those moments. I feel fear about the future. I don't really feel fear when fear is imminent in front of me. Like if there's like a bear about to come at me, I get really calm. So I don't know what that's about. But anyway, we all know what fear is. And usually it's about a future event. Um, And we can call it anxiety, but I think anxiety is like a low-grade prolonged fear for me, that's how I experience it. So, okay, so I wanted to talk about fear, consciousness, and stoicism. So going into stoicism, if you don't know, stoicism is a philosophy um, just way back when, BC, and it's about, it's about taking care of your internal state and being so but you know like being stoic being unperturbed being um just like in control of your internal state to like a very like far degree you know people talk about like being in control of your emotions and all that but these people these philosophers were like Nah, I'm taking this all the way. Like, I want to be totally unperturbed if I'm in a torture chamber. Like, I want to be totally unperturbed if you cut my arm off. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, there goes my arm. You know, like, they were, like, really trying to be chill. So that's stoicism. (laughs) And basically, the thing that stoicism um, says is that the worst thing that could happen to you is within your control. So that's me distilling lots of reading about stoicism into one sentence the worst thing that could happen to you is within your control okay and so then the next part of talking about how fear is a sacred joke is consciousness so that there's like an understanding in um 
the community, I guess, that studies consciousness, that really um, aims to be aware of themselves as consciousness, is that things are not happening to us, but they're happening for us. And so I was thinking about this because to me, this is just obvious. It's how I live my life. I'm like, things don't happen to me. They happen for me. It's just so like second nature at this point but I was thinking about it and I was like thinking about other people in my family who don't adopt this and I was like wow like it and then like what it would take for them to adopt it and how like happy I would be for them I wanted to say proud but that sounds like so weird (laughs) but like I would just be like really really happy for them you know or like for anyone for my past self who didn't adopt this when I was in deep suffering I think that was the last podcast episode or the first one I don't know I talked about how like everything was happening like to me you know I was like everything was just like oh my god I felt like Sisyphus climbing up a hill and I was constantly getting hit in the head with a boulder it was so bad it was all happening to me And so, you know, this just this like past self, like I would be so proud of her if she like, if I saw her, like I, you know, it happened, but I don't remember when it happened slowly over a period of time, but I would be so happy for her, you know, if she like made that shift, I would just be like, oh my God, things are going to get so much easier for you now. Um, And so I was thinking about like what it takes to make that shift from things happening to you to things happening for you, that mental reframe. And I was realizing that it actually takes an admirable amount of self-responsibility and maturity to understand and integrate that. Like I did, I was not self-responsible enough to do that. And I absolutely was not mature enough to do it either. And that just like, wow, it's actually like a beautiful and like really admirable to me thing to like be able to make that shift. Um, Right. Because and so like, why is it so important to make that shift? Why is it so meaningful to make that shift? And it's because it's so easy to place value on externals. But like like what you have and what's happening, but it's not about what you get or like what's, you know, what you get that could be a material thing, that could be like a ring, that could be an experience, you know, like it's not about the cards you're dealt. It's not about the things that are happening on the in the external world. It's about who you become in response to those things. It's because, you know, like this, like you can give a job promotion to two people and one person is going to like, stagnate and then the other person is going to evolve who they are like their understanding of themselves and so it's just really not about what you get it's not about the external thing that's happening it's about who you become and so like why does it even matter who you become because you are a soul you are consciousness having a human experience like that's I don't understand how to explain that more granularly like to me that's just And maybe in another episode I will, but that's not the point of this. This We're talking about fear. So this is just baseline. You're a soul, consciousness inside a human experience. The external world is always in flux, but who you die as is what matters. And so these are like notes that I wrote to myself. Who you die as is what matters. How you die, wait. Sorry, how you evolve through this human experience as consciousness is what matters. Nothing is forgotten. 
So like, why does it matter who you become? Because nothing is forgotten. The collective unconscious, and this is a Jungian term, um, Carl Jung, he wrote about the, I'm not going to explain every single thing. I'm so sorry. You already know this probably. Okay. So the collective unconscious records every experience. What you did, believed, felt, it all contributes to this web of consciousness that scaffolds the human experience. It affects what others are born into. Uh, yeah, like it just does. I'm like not going to explain that. So your life doesn't end with you. Like it, first of all, time is happening all at the same time. <laughs> like it's not actually linear. And so like whatever you're doing right now is affecting every single other thing. And so it's so easy to feel like what we do or what we say or who we are doesn't matter. But then I think about, you know, the butterfly effect, like just the beating of a wing can start a hurricane somewhere else. Like your action, like you waving your hand could be affecting weather somewhere else, you know? And that's a very um, physical way to think about it. But also like how you carry yourself, that impacts like all of the children who witness you. Like my mom the other day told me about how, so my mom, (laughs) oh God, my mom, I love her so much. She is like waiting for the apocalypse to happen. She would love, like, if she had more money, she would have a bunker somewhere and live in it and be prepping all of the time and have her, like, garden. And she just bought, like, some kerosene thing or generator or something. I don't know. But, like, this woman is, like, always, and, like, I understand why, but she's, like, always looking for worst-case scenario survival tactics. Um, And it's because she grew up in a very difficult um, household. So like, I understand like psychologically where it's coming from, but anyway, like I'm not like that at all. You know, like I'm, I'm not like that at all. And so it's really interesting because my siblings who are very young, they're like, one of them is in elementary school. One of them is in middle school, just started middle school. Um, and they get their, I talk to my mom all the time and I'm always on speaker and they're always around. And so they listen to us have conversations and they listen to the different perspectives that um, we hold and how we live our lives differently. And so it was really interesting because I think that my sister was saying that she wanted to live in a city. She was like, I want to live in a big city when I'm an adult. Like when I grow up, I want to live in a big city and da, 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 da. And my mom is like, oh, you know, that's really bad because if the apocalypse hits in a big city, they're all going to take all of the food. And, you know, like she doesn't talk about zombie outbreaks, but, you know, she's like, if things go really badly, like the big city is the last place you want to be. And my little sister's like, no, I know I'll be taken care of. Like, it'll be fine. I'll be well. And like that, because I'm always like that with my mom, whenever she's like, this thing is going to happen, that thing is going to happen. I'm always like, you know what? I'm taken care of. Like, I'm going to be well. I'm going to be fine. And so like the fact that that's just like an example of how you are, who you are, it doesn't just impact how other people treat you, like how other adults treat you. Like if you show up at work with low confidence, you're going to be treated a certain way versus if you show up knowing your worth, you know, that's a thing. But then also it affects like other times, you know, because that little girl, my sister is going to grow up as this person who carries this certain um, way of being in herself 
and that affects other people around her in the future, you know? And so it's like, we're always interacting with, um, and then like my mom, I guess you could say, could represent the past. And then, you know, a lot of the time, because we talk so much, she's like, oh, you know what? I'm actually not going to worry about that. Oh, wait, I'm sure you're going to say this. So I'm not even going to go there, you know? Like, so we're affecting the past and the future just in our relationships, even if you do believe in linear time. So like, okay, so yeah, the butterfly effect. And so like, not even just that. So that's a very physical thing as well. Like what you say and how you show up and da da da, da um, is affecting other people. But also, you know, like I think about the waves of information that we can't see. Like there are radio waves all around us at all times. Like the way that wireless stuff happens and like microwaves and like the light spectrum and we can only see a very small part of it. You know, like there's so much information flowing from everything to everything at all times and we don't even see it. So we're like, oh, I'm not affecting anything. No, you just don't see that you're affecting things. It's like this podcast. I don't know who's listening to this. But like two people messaged me and they were like, oh my God, this impacted me in this way. You know, I got this from it. I didn't know that when I'm like speaking to my phone, I don't know who I'm impacting. You know, when I'm walking down the street, like holding a certain way of being, I don't know who I'm impacting. When I'm talking on the phone with my mom and I'm just like being me and refusing to give in to fear, I don't know whom, uh, whom I'm impacting, you know, but that's like we don't know we just don't know but it's happening because everything is communicating with everything everything there are connections forming between things at all times and so we're all very intimately connected but it's when we're distracted or when we're caught up on external things or we have really low self-worth that we're like oh i'm disconnected and therefore we think that we don't matter. We think that, and like, I've been here. We think that we don't matter. We think that our actions and that our experiences don't matter, but they do. Who you are matters. Whether or not you honor your authenticity matters. Whether or not you evolve into yourself matters. Whether or not you allow yourself to get to know the particular person that you came here to be your note, your desires, your dreams, your visions, your gifts, if you allow those to reach maturity or not, that matters. Whether you allow yourself to become you matters. <laughs> it matters. Whether you live before you die matters. And not the you that you think you're supposed to be, not the you that your parents think is the most successful version of you, not the you that everyone is like, oh yeah, you should be this and that. Like the you that you were born to be, the you that you were before all of the shame and all of the trauma and the forgetting and the settling, that you, whether the true you gets to live before you die matters. It leaves an imprint in the collective unconscious. It leaves an imprint on the holodeck. So if who you are matters, and if it matters more than what you accumulate materially, and now I'm not saying that having things doesn't matter altogether. I think that every soul is meant to have certain things, like genuine soul desires. I wrote a blog post about this, um, betsua.com, so weird to plug myself. But like, it's, it's relevant, like the soul desire 
um like every every soul has like their own certain things that they want and like you know everyone is being told that they want like everyone should want a house or everyone should want a relationship or everyone should want this or that like me I never want to have children like since I was a child I knew that that was not for me but there are some people like my mother who's just like oh my god she loves being a mother she loves having children you know and so like that's a genuine thing for her and like it's a genuine thing for me to not have that you know, and like everyone, like some people, like they're really meant to have this big fancy house that is right for them. Some people, they're meant to have a little house, you know, some people like are meant to live in an apartment forever. I don't, I don't know, but like everyone has like the a thing that they really want. And I think a lot of confusion comes when like certain things are valued by society at large. And so everyone's like, oh, I'm supposed to have that because people value it. But it's like, do you, do you value it? Like, is that actually what you want? Because you're meant to have what you want. So like it matters, you know, like material things do matter, but it's not about dying with the most things or the most commonly valued things. It's about dying with the right things, the things that are authentic to you. I'm reading through my notes and I had this metaphor about a video game that I think it's kind of lame now, but anyway, so yeah, we can get like really caught up in accumulating things and then we realize that it wasn't actually about accumulating things once we're dead. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to make light of it, but I think it's kind of silly um, because we're consciousness, like we're infinite, like consciousness, but it's just so funny. I'm so sorry. It's not funny. It is. It is. I'm sorry, but it is. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, right. So that's why I, um, decide to focus on the internal self, on the felt experience, on the alignment before I look at the external. It's not that I don't look at the external. The external matters a lot to me. It's actually like part of my authenticity to care about curating things and to look a certain way. Like I really care about home decor. My mom does not at all. Like she is very happy not not doing that stuff. But me and my dad, like my mom and my aunt, they don't really care about home decor. They don't. They're, it's like nothing to them. It doesn't matter what stuff looks like. Me and my dad, on the other hand, we love decorating. We love painting. We love making things match. Like, you know, we care about that stuff. So different people care about different things. And I'm not saying that the material doesn't matter or like that I don't look at it. I do look at it, but I just, it's never more important to me than the internal. It's never like the material is never more important to me than the unseen. It just isn't like I would lit, like I haven't bought a couch for like mm, a minute. It's been like a month that I moved into my new place. I haven't bought a couch. I'm not convinced on what I want yet. I haven't felt that, that it is the right one. And again, I'm not trying to just accumulate things. I'm not trying to just have a couch because people are like, you should have a couch. I'm like, look, I am perfectly happy living like next to a dumpster. Okay. I know that sounds extreme, but I would still be happy. Like, why would I not be happy? I would still have joy. I would still have peace. I would still like, there's, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
like, what are you going to take from me? You know, like, no, you can't take what is actually, what actually matters is within my control. Again, going back to stoicism. So like, I'm fine with not having a couch yet. Like, do I need a couch? No, people survive without couches. Okay. Like, I'm going to wait until I find the right couch, the couch that I really want, the one I'm not trying to like put some big thing into my life like that is not correct. I'm not trying to have just any relationship. Oh, I'm lonely and want a relationship. No, what are you talking about? Okay. Everyone is perfectly whole as we are. Everything is fine. We don't need that thing. That thing that you think you need, you don't need it. All of the advertisements are lying. You are fine. You are whole. And if you want something, it's totally fine to wait for the right one. Like, it's, I don't understand. It's not that big a deal. So, yes. Again, what I'm just trying to illustrate is that alignment matters more to me than the event or than the thing, the external. And so, because I focus more on my experience and on the alignment more than the external, even though, again, I really like decorating and I really care about that stuff. But again, alignment comes first. And so because I have that priority, then life, it's not, it's no longer, I should say, because it once was, but it's no longer to me a series of effort and obstacles. It's not happening to me. I don't see things getting in my way as I try to get somewhere. I'm no longer Sisyphus climbing the mountain and there is a boulder that keeps rolling down on me. Like I see things coming up for me as a way for me to get to know myself better, to be more authentic, to get clear on my intentions, to align more easily with what I have been shown is for me. So I see events as opportunities to develop my understanding of myself, my expression of myself, my intentions, my particular note, my energetic signature is what some people call it. Um, so the further um, I clarify and practice that energy, that expression, that understanding of myself, the more that I get to live as my true self. And oh my God, it's so good. I just, ugh, I don't recommend things, but I was going to tell you, living as your true self, what do the kids say? It slaps? Is that what they say? It's really good. <laughs> I'm just, ah. You know, I've never been been good with that stuff. So it's not even that I'm old. I'm really not that old, but I just don't know the slang. So anyway, so I, I place value on my perception over what I perceive. I place value on my response over the event. I place value on my skill over the obstacle. And so then the worst thing isn't that I could end up poor and homeless and alone by a dumpster. Like that's not the worst thing that could happen to me. Because if I did find myself in that situation, I would still be in control I would still be able to analyze why it happened, how my perception led to a certain action, which led to certain events, which led to me being in that situation. I would still be able to meditate and find the peace that I find in meditation, the stillness, the bliss. Like there's, I think it's DMT that develops when you meditate long enough, like straight up, our brains are incredible. 
like we secrete certain um, hormones and certain just like neuro cocktails that are trippier than actual drugs when you meditate like really deeply when you reach certain states in meditation like you're tripped out you're just tripped out so like I've never done acid I don't need to do acid I live on acid it's who was it doll no dolly dolly I was about to say the Dalai Lama. No, (laughs) I think Dolly, um, the surrealist painter, he says, I don't do drugs. I am drugs. But like for real, your brain just like creates drugs actually. So yeah, like I'd be sitting by the dumpster and I'd still be blissed out. Like it's good, yo, it's good. So like I could still be in nature and feel loved and cared for and that I belong. So No, that's not the worst thing that could happen to me is that I end up poor and homeless and alone. That's really not the worst thing that could happen to me. I would still be, I could still be happy in that situation. The worst thing that could happen to me is that I would lose my capacity to cultivate peace. Would be that I live in fear and anxiety and I've been there. The worst thing that could happen is that I shut off my capacity for wonder and awe and my ability to appreciate beauty, my ability to experience connection, to have compassion for myself and others. And whether my net worth is really high or in the negatives, that state of loneliness and anxiety and lack and judgment and bitterness, that would be hell. And that to me is something to fear. I don't care how rich I am. If I do not have a capacity for wonder, if I don't have a capacity to appreciate what is around me, to like really be moved by art, like if I'm just living in dread and anxiety, and I know, I know like multimillionaires who live such miserable lives. Like I actually, my heart goes out to them. Because they have families and everyone in the family is unhappy. And I'm just like, oh my God, my family is poor, y'all. My family is poor. And we are happy as fuck. Like, oh, dang, I wasn't going to curse. But we're so happy. And like, we look at them with all their money and we're like, dang, that sucks. (laughs) You know, and I'm sure they look at us and they're like, you don't have investment properties. And I'm like, yeah, but we're so happy. (laughs) Like, to me, the thing that you would fear is living in that state of unhappiness. It really is. But yeah, like it's 100% in my control every single day and every moment to look at my life and to be grateful, to look at a tree and to feel connection to eat an apple and to be like, oh my God, this is a great apple. Like that is in my power to look at a problem and to be like, okay, okay, I see you. I'm going to solve you. You know, to be excited when I come up with a problem, to take a deep breath and to be like, oh my God, I can breathe and I can breathe again and again. Like that's abundance, you know, that I get to feel that. That's in my control. You can't take that away from me. So like what really is there to fear? What, what is there to fear? I am consciousness. Only physical things can be taken away from me, but I don't depend on them. I don't own them. I own my perceptions 
my reactions, my responses, my visions, my emotions. And no matter what situation I am placed in, I know that I have control over my experience. In every moment, I practice that self-responsibility. I fine-tune my energy. I practice energetic sovereignty over the material world. A lot of people have asked me, what is energetic sovereignty? This is what it is. This is what it is. The unseen over the seen. Energy is unseen. Well, you know, except like everything that is seen is condensed energy because energy, you know, it gets really the the movement between the atoms gets really, really slow. And that's why like a gas, you can't see it. And like the, the, the frequency or like the rate at which the atoms are moving is really fast. And then you get into a solid and it's moving less fast and, you know, it's more liquidy and then, sorry, liquid. And then you get into a solid like ice and like the um, atoms are moving very, very slowly um, because it is condensed matter. So, okay, technically we can see it. But like what I'm getting at (laughs) is that I place more emphasis on we can say the faster moving energy, so like the unseen, um, versus the seen, which is the dense energy, which is the physical stuff and events and all of that happening around us. So that's what energetic sovereignty is. I guess it doesn't really make sense to say energetic sovereignty because everything is energy, but um, I, I, I like that. When a, someone said that and I liked it, so I'm going to stick with it. So like it's it's having like sovereignty over your experience and your perception and your response over what is happening to you, what you're looking at and all that stuff, the material world. So because I, because I practice energetic sovereignty, I'm free. Like I'm free. And the more I choose to feel love, the more love flocks to me. The more I choose to feel wonder, the more wonderful things come my way. The more I choose to feel gratitude, the more I encounter things to be grateful for. And, you know, this isn't just like confirmation bias. It's not like, oh, you learned about the number three and now you see the number three everywhere. Oh my God, I just looked and I saw the number three, y'all. Oh my God, three inch memory foam mattress topper. Okay. (laughs) But like, no, it's not just confirmation bias. Because like everything is consciousness, everything is alive. And maybe I'll talk in another episode about how everything is alive. But this episode is about how fear is a sacred joke because attention is a multiplier. Like the more that you call a friend, the deeper your relationship grows. The more that you're on Facebook, the more money they make. (laughs) That was not written in my notes. Oh, okay. Like the more that you create yourself, to be a safe space for greatness, great experiences and relationships and things, the more greatness seeks you. You know, like for me, I don't want to go somewhere where I'm going to go hang out with you and you're not going to look at me and you're not going to pay attention to me. But if like I show up some to some in someone's presence, let's say, and they're like, hi, how are you? And they're like paying attention to me. When I talk to someone, they're like, oh yeah, and this and this and this. And like, they're engaged with me. I'm going to want to go there again, probably if I like them back, you know, like I'm where you, if they're a safe space for me, if they're a place where I get attention, I want to go there. So if you are and like, I have 
this is from experience that I'm talking. Like if you are a place of like beauty, like you're a safe place for beauty. You are someone who notices beautiful things. You are someone who reveres beautiful things, who honors beautiful things. Beautiful things are going to start showing up in your existence because it's like beauty is like, oh, I can go to her. This is a good place to be, you know? So maybe you don't know, but I know because I lived it. I was a I was a safe space for suffering for a minute. And suffering was just like, oh, I can pack pack up and move in here. Sweet. Um, no, not anymore. But yeah, I've been there. So the yeah. So because what? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, I had a nice ending to it, and then I started talking about things outside my notes. But okay, what I was saying is that um, the more that you seek something, the more it will seek you. Because when you look into the void, the void looks back at you. Okay. I just love that phrase. Because, you know, the void is everything. The void is everything that is and is not. The void is a place of pure potential. Everything and nothing exists in the void. It is pure waves of possibility. So if you look into the void and you see suffering, you're going to get suffering. I've been there. If you look into the void and you see love and care and abundance and ease, that's what you're going to get. It's going to look right back at you. When you look into the void, the void looks right back at you. So thank you for being here with me today. Fear is a joke. It's a sacred joke. And have a great time.